This week's podcast brought to you by Dickies. Which Dickies? Like Dickie V? Or, well, he's the, clearly the most famous Dick, but uh, Dick Clark. Oh, we're talking Dickies. Dickie Thon of the Astros. Well, if we if it's just Dickies and not Dick, then I'm, I'm going to have a harder time coming up with some <laughs> names. Give me some more. Dick Van Patten? I Mr. thought you said it had to be Dickie. Well, I, I've run out of Dickies. Well, I went to I just went to the Google, and the problem is once you get past like the first three mentions, you're getting into territory that we don't want to be talking about. But it does make me think. Good thing little Richard went by Richard, and not Dick. <laughs> Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. We're watching the college football national championship game. And as the insightful sports analyst and broadcaster I am, the only thing I offered to the conversation while we were watching the game was, why do all college football coaches wear pleated khakis? And you haven't given me a a sufficient explanation for that. Nobody has. People agree with me on Twitter, but no one has really told us why that's the case. Why do all college football coaches wear pleated khakis. They don't all wear pleated khakis. Nick Saban wore pleated khakis last night and all of his assistants wore pleated khakis last night. I think, or at least it appeared that all of his assistants wore pleated khakis. I think in their case, they're dressing for the job that they want to have rather than the job that you have. You've heard that expression. And the job that they want to have is Nick Saban's job. And if the way you get that is by wearing pleated khakis, that would explain why they're wearing pleated khakis. Perhaps that explains why his assistants are wearing them, but why does doesn't explain why Nick Saban's wearing them. I he's think, got the job. I, I mean, think he's wearing them just to see if his assistants will wear them. <laughs> Maybe if he like started wearing a wig just to yeah. see if they would wear a wig. And you know what? They would. They if he comes <laughs> out like in a dicky and a and a wool vest. <laughs> they do they would even do that. sell dickies anymore? I mean, for for people who might be younger, they might not even know what those are. Our producer Denny might not know. Well, there are two different things. Dickies Dickies are a brand of khaki pants. We're not talking about those. Those are flat front, and I've had those. I'm talking about just the turtleneck part of of a turtleneck, just the neck part of a turtleneck. Yeah, it wasn't. It did. It wasn't even like a sleeveless turtleneck. No, it was a shirtless turtleneck. It was a (laughs) shirt. Did it come like right below your breast? No, it it came just below your neck. Yeah, but it was so. To keep your neck warm under a sweater, like wearing a sweater on top of a turtleneck was too much. What? <laughs> but you needed to keep your neck I, warm, I so can you tell wore you, a dickie? I can tell you, yes, they do still make dickies, and I have one. <laughs> and I'll tell you how this happened. You don't have one. Last week, when we were in Florida, we went to a store called Five Below, where everything is $5 <laughs> right. and below. Am I right? Right, yes. And I bought a winter hat so that when I got off the plane in Hartford where it was sub-zero, I would have something to keep my head warm. The best part about the hat, of course, was... was the giant MTV logo, like the 1980s original MTV logo that was on the cuff of this winter hat. 
It had a big pom-pom on the top. It was all black, right. black pom-pom with a, with a neon-colored MTV logo on the cuff of the hat. The first day that I wore it back in Connecticut, I got out of my car, and I saw the pom-pom fall to my feet. And the crown of the hat had exploded, had split. And now it's just a black funnel. Uh, 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 it's a turtleneck. <laughs> and and, and <laughs> like that guy in Fat Albert, I just pulled it down over my head, and I can now wear it around my neck. You're right. That that has now become, and, and, and therefore the MTV logo would be huge right on your neck as your your hat dickie. <laughs> as my hat dickie. And I, <laughs> I would like to see... Nick Saban, Jim Harbaugh, any of these coaches who wear pleated khakis or some other uh, eccentric fashion statement to just wear a dickie and see what happens. I guarantee you some of the assistants would adopt that. It's the same thing with the wearing of the visor, particularly indoors. That seems to be a college football coaching affectation that you don't generally see in the general population. What I would like to see, if they did go with the, the dickie, and it would probably have their school's logo right on the neck, how great would it be if they're walking off the field, if they just pulled it off over their head and threw it to a fan? That would like be Like athletes awesome. yes. do with their jersey. Or maybe they exchange a- it with the opposing coach <laughs> at the end of the game. They hand each Soccer other. style, an exchange dickie of dickies. Exchange. Yes. <laughs> or if you, a tearaway dickie, like a guy ripping off his neck brace in a courtroom scene dramatically in a movie. Well, and you talk about visors. You sometimes see this with baseball, football, whatever. When a team that traditionally plays their sport outside then plays a game inside, and they still wear the eye black. I don't understand that either. Sunglasses indoors, eye, eye black, eye black. It just visors. It just doesn't make any sense. You don't need that part of the uniform. Today, that's you can just, wear it when you're outside. That's just dress up. That's to intimidate your opponent. It doesn't intimidate anybody because everybody visor, wears it. The no, visor I'm talking about, I'm talking about eye black. Okay. The khaki pants are also there to intimidate. <laughs> Guess the, how much I the, really have in my pocket. The guy thinks you're going to audit them. <laughs> well, I hope it doesn't change because I do enjoy seeing the coach standing over on the sideline making his you know, gazillions of dollars. Um, 11 million, I think, in Nick Saban's case. Wearing... Yeah the pleated khakis it's just uh it's just a an interesting and fun look that do you remember uh mtv cribs where the guy would always have like 75 pair of crisp new white socks because so he didn't have to wear a different pair of socks something that i would happily do uh i wonder if nick saban has that same kind of stock of pleated khakis because i know who does your, My dad. Your dad, yes. He has, what, six or eight pair of identical khakis hanging in a row in his closet. Your dad's closet really is a thing of beauty. You walk in, and yes, he has all of his khakis in a row, pressed. I don't know if he if if they're pressed at the cleaners, he presses them himself. He's got a variety of golf shirts, but all hanging from the hanger. And then his couple pairs of shoes, which are all, for the most part, brown or tan in color. And um, he's always impeccably dressed, never has a wrinkle in his clothes, never has a stain on his clothes. And he just... And this is all from him. This must be his years in the army. Your mother's no longer alive. So he's just, he's got everything in order. That may explain it. He wore khaki in the army and decided that was it. That was all he He ever never needed, needed to wear, wear another color. Uh, by the way, I got, tar- we talked about tearaway dickies. I got for Christmas a pair of Adidas tearaway sweatpants. Some people said they didn't make them anymore. You talk about pants that went out of fashion and shouldn't have. Those are fantastic. And my favorite is that 
just like when they were in fashion years ago, you still can't tear them away in one fell swoop. No, no one ever could. No. Maybe by the hundredth time you try to tear them away, they'll all come come undone. But you, you've but attempted it, it a couple times just for theater in the Several house. times. I've stood <laughs> in front of the TV as you were all watching TV and tried snapping them away our, in one in one snap. Our son thought that was the funniest thing in the world. And, and what, maybe the top half or the top third what you have to do, the secret is to unsnap the buttons at the bottom right. and a couple in the middle. You have to you have to rig it because there's always that bad luck. There was back then in the NBA where guys, and the taller you get, the more snaps there are. So the more unlikely it is you're going to get them off in one We thing. used to go out because we had the tearaways when I was in college and even WNBA and you'd go out and you wouldn't, you'd never have them all done. You'd have a couple of the bottom loose so they'd go over your shoes and then much of the area around your knee was not done just because it took so darn long. It would have been it would have taken less time to just like unzip the bottom of the pants and take them off like people take off their pants. But in college you also have the and in professional sports you have that um undignified to me situation where you can just rip them off and fling them at the person whose job it is to collect your warm-ups or whose job it is to offer you a cup of water and and I've never liked the style where the person comes by to hand the towel or to hand the water and instead of waving them off with a no thank you you just get the the 50 yard stare into the distance that tells them i don't want water or a towel at least have the courtesy of the person waiting on you hand and foot to offer you a towel or by the you you're not meaning me specifically you're just saying the professional i don't know i don't know have you done it no i've never ignored the person who is hovering behind me you know trying to put the water bottle over your shoulder. You just turn around and say, no, thank you. As long as it's a team employee of some kind. Right, right, right. As if it's some uh, fan offering you their beer. If you're at the post office and somebody behind you is trying to offer you a towel, Um, it's okay to ignore them. Yes, in that situation it is. But, you know, visors, pleated khakis, the tearaway sweats. I'm thinking of other items in sports that um, either have gone away or maybe should go away in, in sports fashion. And the main thing that comes to mind, because our kids are at so many basketball games, are pennies. Nobody ever wanted to wear those in PE. Nobody has ever wanted to wear those in practice. Our kids still wear the baggy mesh pennies that are indistinguishable from the mesh bag that you keep the pennies in. They're washed maybe once every two or three years. They're washed less often than hotel bedspreads. And well, and then I mean, it's always the arm through the head hole, the head through the arm hole. Yeah. It's falling off their shoulders like it's flash dance. That part, that part is all true. When I started coaching a, a couple years ago, I went to the local sports sporting goods store and I bought a bunch of those pennies because the pennies that the kids had to use at the school were that. They were gross. They always smell bad because the kids use them in gym. They never get laundered. These, I told the girls, I promise you, I will launder them. I take pretty good care of those. But you're right. One of the funny things is when the little kids wear them, they can never get their arms and head through the right the right. They're holes. like fish caught in a, in a commercial <laughs> yes. fishing net. Yes. Yes, they are. Oftentimes, three or four of them will get caught in the same penny. Yes. Pennies, you know, uh, now some travel teams, most travel teams that your kids play on, they'll go and they have purchase the fitted penny, yeah. a fitted penny that's a different color on each side, but still in gym class, still in my practices, because for the school team, I've got those pennies I bought years ago. They're stuck with those. So we've covered the fitted penny and the neck dickie. <laughs> what else could I wanted to ask you, be? our last thing on coaches' stylings, did, did uh, Gino Oriema, your college coach at UConn, did, did his practice, did he have any practice fashion 
uh, stylings from well, the early to mid-90s yeah, that, that is, have fallen out of vogue now. This was the early mid-90s, so everyone wore the swishy suits. And back when I was there... We're talking about the Bob Huggins uh, yeah, track suit. The, the suits that when you walk make the swishy sound. Swish, 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 swish. Because I don't know. They're nylon, I guess. Swish, the sound of a made basket. Swoosh, the Nike logo. Swish, swoosh, swish, swoosh. The sound of every coach walking exactly. in the 1990s. Yes. Also, college coach walking. College coaches and... Airline passengers, for some reason. Right. Anyway, well, the nylon the, tracksuit. They're the ones who can still find them. So he would wear that. Now when I go and I watch practice or watch their shoot-arounds, often he's he's wearing jeans. He's moved on to uh, to wearing jeans. He, he would... I don't think I don't I don't remember him ever wearing jeans to a shoot around or a practice when I was a player. But then coaches now have the Nike, the nice or the Adidas, the nice warm up suits that's that are more of a comfortable, non noise making variety. You usually have the reverse evolution or de evolution where where the older you get you go from the fitted jeans with a with a defined waistline to the drawstrung warm up pants. So I applaud anybody going from Doing the reverse, going from wearing the warm-up pants to pants with an actual waist size. Do you own any any pants? Um, that no, aren't, that, no, I don't. No, no, no. I'm a sports pants? writer. Do you own any pants that aren't athletic pants or workout pants that have a drawstring? Only because I can't find them. <laughs> I don't know what that. They means. don't sell them. If they if, oh, if, 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 they, they, sold, if they sold if they sold dress pants that were drawstrung rather than belted with loops, uh, you know what? That would be a good Shark Tank um, innovation. Yeah. Dress yeah. sweats. Because you used to call one of the towns in Connecticut drawstring nation because... Oh, well, I'd never been to Connecticut that? because it was my first visit to... Um, it was West Hartford, actually. And uh, I was at the grocery store. And everybody in the grocery store was wearing drawstring pants. <laughs> I had just come up from New York and um, it, it was new to me. Now I, I gladly go to the grocery store in in drawstrung pants. I actually, this summer, I got out of the car and was walking into a store and a guy got out of his car, um, took a couple steps, and as he was walking towards the store, he was pulling up, cinching, and tying his pants. And I understand it's harder to tie your pants when you're sitting in the car than it is when you're standing. But um, but this was a whole process for him, tying his pants as he was walking into the store. So I think the, sh- the signs on the store should say, no shoes, no shirt, um, still tying your pants, no service. No shoes, no pants, no service? Yes, I think. Um, I or think no shoes, no belt, no service. These days, you may have to add that to the to the sign on the store. I think no shoes, no pleats, no service in, in college sports. <laughs> So I think we've we've uh, given a good post game analysis of the college football this championship. Is the, this is this is the post game analysis yeah. in the Russian house, right? Yes. Uh, so uh, what people really are dying to know is whether we've uh, eradicated our our mouse problem. Well, we didn't have a mouse problem when we were talking about this last week. It just came up in conversation how you don't like to remove mice from the house, but we haven't had No, a... no, no, you don't. I do. Oh, yes, I do. Well, I don't neither like of us to likes them, it. But I actually remove them. Yes, but we were talking about your reaction when, when you first living here and the fir- your first experience with mice, but we hadn't had any mice when we were having this conversation last week. We were talking about my first experience with mice. <laughs> I'll never forget. <laughs> oh, good heavens. So yesterday you were out and I was sitting in the kitchen in the mid-afternoon, I'd been cooking all morning, so the kitchen smelled good. I'm sitting at the counter, and I'm doing work, and all of a sudden, in my peripheral vision, out of the corner of my, my eye, I think I see something around the, the floorboards, 
by the kitchen sink. And so I'm startled. No, but no, now, no. No, 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 no. This, this is before you come into play. Oh, okay. You're not home. So then... Get to the part about me. I will. And so then... so But my eye is now kind of... The, that part of my eye is tuned in over there. And so then I see it again, and it was definitely a little mouse scurried. And I, I yelled at it, get out of here! Because I had no nothing that I could use to get rid of it. So anyway, it scurried back through the under the floorboard, and I don't know where it went. So I called our dog down, and I took a bone and like threw it over uh, a little treat bone and threw it over where where I saw the mouse and she went over there and was like yeah whatever and 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 went back upstairs and um she was she saying no what do you think <laughs> what do you think I'm a cat right exactly she was offended that I thought she was a cat so I immediately got on the phone and I called the pest control place and I said all right um can you guys come out when can you come out there's a critter in my house I'm certain there's probably a lot more in the basement so we had an appointment now for today, this afternoon. So I didn't tell you any of this because I didn't want to gross you out about me seeing a mouse in the kitchen. And then last night, as I'm cleaning up after dinner, I'm putting the dishes in the dishwasher. And you shrieked. I, you actually, the, the, the speech bubble that came out of your mouth was, uh, was uh, capital letters, eek, Exclamation mark. It you was, were like the, the, the lady who you only see her legs in the Tom and Jerry cartoons who chases them around with a rolling pin or a broom. Yeah. You did everything but jump on the curtains, Scooby and Shaggy style, with your teeth chattering. But I still didn't know what it was that had yeah. caused that. Well, I didn't want to say anything because our daughter was in there. And I didn't want to freak our kids out that there was, you know, we've never talked about the mice with them. They don't know that there's traps set in the basement. I don't want them to have those thoughts as they're getting ready to go to bed. But I had screamed and you're, you're yes, yeah, so you said, what's the matter? What's the matter? So we sent our daughter out of the room and I said to you, I, I just saw a mouse. And, um, and this time, because when I'd seen it in, earlier in the afternoon, it, it had only like come out of this little spot and gone back in. But this time when we saw it and I screamed like I did, it had c- kind of gone right along the, the edge of the floorboard and back into that one spot. So, And it, it was such an overplaying of the hand by the mice because we had an understanding. They could have the basement. They could right. have the unfinished part of the basement. We'd keep the peanut butter and the traps there. It worked, seemed to work for everybody. Yeah, just stay. Like, I understand they're, they're in the basement, an unfinished side that doesn't freak me out. In the kitchen, it, and seeing it freaked me out a little bit. So later on in the night, I come back from basketball practice. Yeah, you're putting our younger two kids to bed. And I, I found a mousetrap, a, a never used before mousetrap that I knew we had stored away. So I went and got it. And I'm looking at this mousetrap. And I had absolutely no idea how to set it. I had never set a mousetrap before. I'd never watched someone even set a mousetrap before. So I went and I Googled how to set a mousetrap. But when I was putting it in, how to set what auto-filled in first was an alarm clock, which got me thinking, who doesn't know how to set an alarm clock? Certainly nobody who knows how to use Google doesn't know how to set an alarm clock. And who even uses an alarm clock? Doesn't everyone just set the alarm on their phone these days? I mean, our, our kids don't have phones, I so they set an alarm clock. The cartoon but... round alarm clock with the two bells right, right. On, the, on the top. Right. So that was the first thing that came up. And then... Um, and that, that alarm clock jumps on the nightstand and right. vibrates as it goes off. The, the second thing that came up was how to set a table. So that's fair. People, I guess, don't know which side the forks go on, which side the knives and spoons go on, whatever. So anyway. So we're, I, in the, we're in the position of needing to set the table and set the mousetrap in the same place right. at the same time. <laughs> Ugh. 
And so I got out the peanut butter, put a little peanut butter on the trap, watching the video. It took me multiple times to watch the video, and then I set the trap. So I put it kind of under the, the sink area in our kitchen. And I have to put these big chairs in front of it because it, it would be accessible to our dog. She loves peanut butter and cheese. No matter what we would put on the mouse trap, we had to make sure that the dog couldn't get it. You have to set a trap around the trap to keep the yes, trap within, that is the, true. within the trap. It's like the game mouse trap. So I have to say, I'm feeling a little bit bad. Like I'm not excited about the idea of killing a mouse and catching a mouse in a trap. I, I, I don't like that. Uh, last year or the year before when the pest control guy came out, he said, you know, we've got this new stuff. It's this poison that we put outside. They, they get it and they bring it back to their nest. And I said, I don't want to do that. They're, they're Terrible, no. They belong outside. Right. Like as long as they're outside, I, go ahead, live your lovely life, little mouse. Just stay out of my house, but more importantly, stay out of my kitchen. So I felt bad about it. So set the trap. So this morning I was up before you and I went down and I got the flashlight so I could see in the nooks and crannies where the mouse trap was. And I peeled away the chairs, the trap I had set for the trap. And I look and it hadn't, there was nothing in it. And I was surprised. I was certain that mouse would come back. So then I took the trap out and I looked and the trap was still set, but the peanut butter was gone. And so what I had done, I realized I had put the little the little spring handle I had put, I think I'd put it so too securely, but it, immediately my whole demeanor changed. I turned into Bill Murray from Caddyshack. And I was like, all right, mouse, it's on. You but, took my peanut butter. You think you got away with something. You didn't get away with anything. I am now determined to catch that little thing. And I didn't tell you this, but before we came to the basement to, to do this, I set the trap again and it's in the kitchen again. And I, I think when we go up, we might find a little critter in it, but I'm no longer feeling bad about this mouse. But are you feeling newfound respect for this I, mouse? I, well what I, played? What I'm feeling is you I, win I this have round. to, I have, yes, you win this round, but I'll be damned if I'm not smarter than a mouse. <laughs> and so we are going to catch this thing. I'm going to go up, find it in the trap and then I'm going to call for you to come and remove it. But I don't know what it says about my psychological profile, but it completely changed when that mouse won round one. And uh, I better win round it, two. It, it ignited your competitive fires. And when you say, don't bring that stuff into my kitchen, you said that playing <laughs> right. Madison Square that Garden. Be... Now you're saying it. In your actual kitchen. That will be an, a good call, too, if I can get it into my next uh, game that I'm announcing. Don't bring that stuff into my kitchen. Well, I'm clearly not smarter than a mouse. And um, a couple of years ago, our dog, who won't chase the mouse in, in, the our, in our own kitchen, three feet from her, but she'll chase anything that's outside of the house when she's inside the house. She'll dig holes what, two feet deep in our yard trying to get whatever she thinks is well, living underground? Uh, a couple of summers ago, she did. She she successfully got a something that was living underground, came to our door, whined to get in. I opened the front door, not realizing she had something in her mouth, and she came in. She leaped up onto the ottoman. We were all sitting around watching a movie, and she deposited on the big ottoman in front of all of us some half-alive critter. It was a vole, which we didn't know existed before we lived here. But they're sort of like moles, but they're not moles. They're, 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 they're it, voles. I don't know what the difference is. It, I think it's, they're It's like smaller. a mole, but with a V. Yes. <laughs> That's all you need to know. And it was half alive and disgusting. And so 
I told you to get it out of the house. And, and, and I, when you say jump, I say how high. So I went to the garage. I got a thin-bladed gravel shovel and scooped it off the ottoman. Now, the kids had all fled to various parts of the county. And I so asked I one went, of them. Or was it no, you? No, I went and opened the front door. You were in the living room, which is a straight shot to the front door, about 10 or 15 but feet. But I, I took a circuitous route through the dining room where, where the vole escaped the shovel blade and was now on the dining room floor. So I, I was able to scoop it up again, but not wanting to risk any more steps when it could get loose from the shovel blade, I decided to wang it from the dining room through the front door. This was one a of the... distance of about 15 feet. One of the least intelligent things I've ever seen you do. We had a, it, it wasn't alive enough that it could run around anymore. So it fell off the shovel because I don't know In why. In my haste... To navigate so, so you're the in the dining room. You pick up the you pick up the vole on the shovel, and instead of walking over to the door and dropping it outside, you threw it as if ten feet away, as if it was going to go through the door. Instead, it hit the wall and came back down on the you, floor. So now you, I have a third. No, no, I have a third spot on the floor. Well, now it's two spots on the floor, one on the ottoman that I have to get and clean with bleach water because instead of walking over and depositing the vole outside, you t- try to what? Look like look, like you're playing lacrosse. Yeah. Fling it out the front I, door. I used it as a high lie cesta or whatever that thing is called, that basket. But I, I the point is, it didn't make it through the front door. It hit the side of the door, or the side of the, the wall, the door frame. Splatting and, down and creating another but crime you, you scene. But you didn't really set the clean. scene. You didn't set the scene. As I was doing this, and as I was running through the house with the half alive vole on the shovel blade, everyone was screaming, including myself. We were just screaming, ah! Yes, all ah! the kids were. Well, they should be freaked out. Well, that reminds me of last night. This is another thing that just kind of blew me away. Um, this is before I saw the mice, the, um, the mouse. You went to the front step, and on the front step, our dog had left a piece of poop. Her own, she had pooped on the front step. And it was frozen because it's been so cold here. On our front step. So our kitchen is in the back of the house. I've set the table. Our dinner is on the table. I'm trying to call everybody in to eat. And I thoughtfully decided that we don't want to leave a frozen piece of poop on our front step for when guests arrived so i we didn't have we have we haven't had guests in forever but ever, go on ever yes in forever we never have but in case we ever do who knows we could get a fedex package someday i hold out okay, hope that someday so I will there's poop on our front step i'm fine with it staying on our front step but if not both metaphorically course, and yes. now literally <laughs> and um, and so what do you do you take a shovel and what you should do it's just throw it I a was little in, bit into I was the yard. in socks. I would have had to step out onto the front step in 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 knee deep snow, and and John Carlos Stanton couldn't have swung a shovel and gotten that poop into the out of our front yard from that distance. Okay. So what I did was I brought it to the backyard. How did you get it to the backyard? Well, I was in socks, so obviously I walked through the house with it on the and shovel. And all of a sudden I look, and there's a piece of dog frozen dog poop on a shovel hovering over my kitchen table. It's the only way to get past the the slider. The the table's set, the food's on the table, and you have a shovel with dog poop on it. And I'm just baffled at how how in anyone's brain this would ever make sense. Just leave it. I even said to you before you did, I said, can this wait till after dinner? And uh, and you said, no, because our dog might go out there and eat it. She's under the she's under our kitchen table. She's waiting for our food scraps to fall down. I mean, there was there was no if, reason there was if, no reason for you to what, do it at what, that moment. Let me moment. ask you this. Let me ask was, you this. There was definitely no reason for let you to chart it through the house, especially over let the dining room table. Let me ask you table. this. What if we're I don't take it away. We're eating dinner, 
And we get an edible arrangement delivered to our house. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's what never happened, happen? but it could happen. I've seen those stores, and it, somebody could send one to us. And then what would happen? We still don't have dog poop hovering over our kitchen table. Well, the point is, from the back door, I could fling it into the woods. I didn't, but I thought I could, and so it's still out there. Either way, just I'll just handle that stuff from now on. Well, the, the frozen nature of, of that brings up the fact that it has been... Uh, even colder than we're used to here. It's been, I woke up the other morning, it was minus 11 with a minus 20 wind chill. Now I was, I hate to say that I ever got used to that growing up in Minnesota, but it's not pleasant. It's cold. It's been frigidly cold where you go outside and you've got everything covered up. You're wearing your North Face jacket and your hat. Your dickie. Could could have used a dickie. But the only part that was showing for me was my eyes and a little bit of my forehead. And instantly in that cold, I had a headache. Like any skin that's exposed, you're freezing cold. And ice on your eyebrows. We went for a walk and you came back. I thought I was married to Andy Rooney. And I was wearing a balaclava. And uh, not not a baklava, which I called it, I think, the first time I put it on, but a balaclava. So I look like a, a bank robber because only my eyes were showing. But when a balaclava you... is really a a, a dicky that goes all the way up. Yeah. So when we were walking, when I would breathe, I guess that created some condensation. So when we got back, that would then freeze. So when we got back to the house, I had icicles on my eyebrows and on my eyelashes. I was blinking, and these little pieces of ice were falling off my eyelashes. So. That's just an example of how cold it has been here. But yet the kids still wear shorts to basketball practice. They refuse to put on even non-tearaway sweatpants. Our son carries his parka from the car to the gym or from the car to school. I tell him it works much better if he actually puts it on. I find myself saying things that my parents said, like, put on sweatpants. It's freezing outside. Well, we're going to be in the car or in the in the gym. Well, just in case the car breaks down, you know, have have the your warm stuff in the car. And uh, but yeah, I mean, they're they don't care. And but they'll if for some reason the door of the, the gym is locked and, and they're outside for a few minutes, then they start complaining as if it's your fault that they're in shorts, even though the you as the parent are the one who told them to put the pants on. And I know on. every time I get in the car, the seat warmer is cranked up to three. I, we may have talked about this before. I hate using the seat warmer. You always use the seat warmer. So when I no, get in the I, car, I, the first mile of my drive, I, I think that I've wet my pants and then I realize the seat warmer is on. I don't think we've talked about this on the podcast or ever because I don't, well, if we haven't, rarely, if, if we haven't talked about it on the podcast, we haven't talked about right. it ever because I, I, when else do we talk? I rarely use the seat warmer, but it's been freezing cold and that heats up faster than the car does sometimes. And it feels nice. Why don't you like the seat warmer? Because I, I, I think that I've wet my pants. When I, I don't, that doesn't Are you at the age me. where you're concerned that possibly you've wet your pants? I mean, I would know that it's the seat warmer because there's no chance that I've wet my pants. <laughs> I don't. I still don't understand this line of thinking. Well, really, I guess I do like it because I like the sensation of having wet my pants without actually, <laughs> without the mess, without the messy cleanup. Um, but it, it's so cold that the the boiler broke at, at our kids' school, and they've been without heat in the upper unit, the fifth through eighth grades, for a week now. Just about a week, yeah. And the solution to that, because it's hard to get a guy to fix a boiler when it's minus 20, this is like tax season for accountants, is they put space heaters in various rooms. And, but the space heaters they got were like the Amish fireplaces that you would see advertised on the infomercial. So there's a lovely roaring fire in the boys' room at the grade school. 
It's like masterpiece theater in there. And we know this because we were told this by the principal. So we, we don't know this because you or I went into the boys' bathroom at the middle school. No, but knowing that there's a, an Amish fireplace and perhaps an armchair and maybe a stand-up globe right. sounds like a rather pleasant <laughs> setting. It's now become the room to we, hang out We know in. who probably hasn't gone in there is, is our son who has an entirely admirable and justifiable and normal fear of public restrooms and but it will always ask me to open the door before he goes into one to sort of inspect it like a secret service advance man but not not because he's afraid it's it's not going to be clean he's just afraid there's going to be someone in there that he's going to walk in on that is his also that it's not going to be clean i mean there's nothing there's nothing good going on i mean there's nothing who wants it's not pleasant but this fall I, I decided to draw the line and say, I'm done doing this. You have to make your first foray. And after every soccer practice, he would use the porta potty that was at the edge of the fields. And he was going to use the porta potty at the edge of the parking lot, as he did after every practice. And this time I said, You've got to open the door yourself. There's nobody in there. The green thing says open. When it says it's red, it's closed. He said, I know, but how, maybe the guy forgot to lock it. Nobody forgot to lock it. Nobody goes into these things and forgets to lock them. You're finally going to teach him the lesson of you can do this. It's fine. You don't There's need no my There's no surprise. Help. You don't yes. need my help. So I've gone past him to the parking lot, but I turn back and watch, and he goes up to the door, and he tentatively pulls it open, but he just doesn't want to see what's in the porta potty. So he, as he opens the door, he backs up with the door so that he's now behind the open door, just holding it open and wanting me to go see if there's anything un- untoward in there. I can't see inside the porta potty He can't see inside the porta potty because he's behind the open door, the wide open door, and all I hear is the guy who is on the potty saying, please close the door, please close the door, please close the door. But our son is frozen in place and can't close the door. So finally, he lets go of the door. The door swings shut, bangs with it. And he turns to me and says, See, I told you there was somebody in there. Was it, was it at least an adult inside? It was that, an adult, So yes. who's not going to be scarred. It's not like it's another kid who was No, on. no. Two minutes later, the guy came out cinching his waistband. Yes, pants. And, and, and uh, adjusting his dickie. So to speak. So to speak. <laughs> There was no Amish fireplace in there, I can tell you. <laughs> and as a result, I have to be the Secret Service advance man at every public restroom for the rest of my life. When uh, when we've been having this ridiculously cold weather, we've had a couple snow days, which anybody who works from home knows that snow days are not ideal. You know, you're thinking, all right, I'm going to get all this work done while the kids are at school, and now the kids are no longer at school. And especially if you have younger children who can't entertain themselves completely, your work day is a little bit shot. My parents are both teachers, so when there was a snow day, they were as happy as the kids were because it was just a day off. But one of the things that we did on the snow days that we haven't done in a really long time was watch a movie together. Perhaps one of the reasons we haven't done that in a while is the last time maybe was when the dead vole, half-dead vole, was brought in. But I don't even know how it came up, but one of our children suggested that we see The Mighty Ducks. And I have n- I had never seen the movie The Mighty Ducks. Had you ever seen it before? I had, yes. Okay, so I had never seen it. So we rent 
The Mighty Ducks. And it was such a fun movie. Like I loved it. All of our kids loved it. So much so that the next night, another snow day, we rented D2, The Mighty Ducks. And then I think a couple days later on the weekend, we uh, then rented, was it D3, The Mighty Ducks? But one of the sweetest parts was we're watching the second one and they're playing Iceland or however it was working and and they needed a goal. And I just hear our nine-year-old son whisper next to me, but he's whispering it to himself. I just hear him whisper, use the flying V. Like he was giving them some superpower and it just made my heart melt. He was was 100% invested in the movie and the formulaic kind of hokey, you know, plot line that, that runs through all of these movies should be the only formula we need for sports movies. Every evil coach has slicked back hair. They had slicked back hair and a popped collar of the polo shirt i mean usually one or the other would suffice to signify that this guy is pure evil in the in the early 90s or the late 80s now it would probably be pleated pants and a visor that that the evil coach would be wearing but um i got i i've seen it three four times i mean one of the scenes is at met center in bloomington minnesota my hometown where basil mccray and mike madonna of the north stars have speaking lines so of course i've seen this movie but each time i find myself rooting for Gordon Bombay and Averman and Goldberg to to beat those guys on the other side. Yeah, it was I, all I, of I whom are pure it. evil. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what is there a modern equivalent sports movie? When's the last time like kind of a sweet sports movie for kids? Like I'm sure like there are. My, our, our, our siblings said that we have to see uh, Will Ferrell and kicking and screaming that their kids like that. I I haven't seen it. So I get home last night from basketball practice. It's basketball season. I'm with our daughters. I pull in. And there's a contraption in our driveway, and I have absolutely no idea what it is. I just see two empty Poland Spring water bottles. The big a, ones, the, the giant, the giant jugs, yeah. ones that go on, go on the standing water cooler, uh, a ladder, and something else. Two Poland Springs uh, water cooler, empty water cooler bottles, a step ladder, and a broomstick leaning diagonally against the step ladder, serving as the goalies. So we've got the Poland Spring posts. And the stepladder goalie. See, I didn't know what any of this was. I, so I pull into the driveway and bring it all into the garage. And the second I step inside the house, our nine-year-old son says, Mom, I've got to show you something. I want to show you something in my goal. And then it hits me. And I say, oh, I think I just brought your goal inside. He, has a, he has a right-handed hockey stick. He doesn't that he's, play hockey. That he doesn't play hockey. plays basketball. He desperately now wants to play hockey. He's done nothing but play hallway hockey since he's watched these movies. He's got a right-handed stick curve on a stick that he's using as a left-handed shooter. He's got a souvenir puck of mine from like the 1989 NHL All-Star game, and he's deking the stepladder and going top shelf past the broomstick and then doing increasingly elaborate goal celebrations, one of which was he picked up the Poland Springs jug chopped off the uh, the cork with his the blade of a stick and then pretended to pound the Poland Springs water bottle. He's, he's so enamored now with hockey from watching the Mighty Ducks movies that last night when I was putting him to bed, he said, Mom, can you please wake me up early for school? And I didn't know if it was because he needed to finish homework or if he needed to study for something. And he said, I want to play. I want to play hockey outside before school. Hockey meaning, of course, just, you know, messing around in the driveway with his his 
uh, homemade goal, but he and, is so in love with hockey right now, we, all from watching. We the were watching Nets. the Blue Jackets Maple Leafs last night. I was showing him uh, Wayne Gretzky highlights on YouTube last night, and it brought me back to when I was a kid, and you would become completely enamored of something from having seen it on TV the day before. And so when Wimbledon was on, you'd go to the park and, and hit tennis balls. You'd end up hitting batting practice tennis balls over the fence as home runs, but you were just, that two weeks, you were into tennis. During March Madness, you'd go out. It was, you know, ankle-deep water from snow melt. It was no conditions to be playing basketball in, but you that that was the start of, you know, summer well, basketball season was during March Madness. This and, past weekend, you brought our kids to the open skate at the skating center. Well, that's going to be packed in, what, a month and a half? Because after the Winter Olympics, everybody now is, is trying to get on the ice and do whether it's figure skating or hockey or whatever because – Kids completely catch the bug. Yeah, he asked me to check the open skating schedule for the next two weeks, and unfortunately, it's only during weekdays. We're, we're going to travel far afield to find places that have open skating um, after school hours. But let's get to viewer mail. Let's get to viewer mail. Well, the first one comes from Denny, our producer, and he gave us the idea. This is his suggestion, and we, we need people to respond and let us know what they think. He thinks we should have a life advice segment as part of viewer mail, where people can ask us questions and tell us stories about something that we've talked about in the podcast. And so if Twitter does not give you enough characters, we do have a Ball and Chain podcast email account, which is ballandchainpod at gmail.com. So to... Uh, to make Denny happy, please send in some emails to ballandchainpod at gmail.com. And I had somebody on Twitter sent me a tweet because we were talking about changing our air filters, never change the air filters until my goal that came. And she said, have you ever cleaned your dryer vents? Because that can cause a fire. And I said, actually... I you have. have. And because our dryer's on the second floor, that's no easy feat. You have to put the the ladder up, climb up the ladder in order to clean out the dryer vent. How, when was the last time you did that, though? I usually do it when it's not 25 below zero. But if you would like, I'd put a that ladder on the icy driveway and climb up there and clean it out today. Well, we can just borrow the ladder our son's been using as the goalie. But no, you can wait for the footing to be secure. But we should probably clean out our dryer vents. Secondly, this has been perplexing both of us for the last two months, and that is this. Um, we have the ability to kind of see the most popular cities for the podcast. And in the last, I don't know, month and a half, the city that has had the most listens is St. Petersburg, Florida. And neither you nor I have any idea why that would be. Why is St. Petersburg... Why are people in St. Petersburg, of all places, interested in our podcast? So if anybody in St. Petersburg is listening to this and has Twitter or email, let us know why, why that would be. And finally, we had somebody on Twitter send an email saying that they literally woke up in the middle of the night with the theme song going through their head with the phrase, who's the ball and who's the chain? going through their brain. So it's waking people up in the middle of the night. It's so catchy. It's awesome. It's from Tom, Dick, and Harry. This was music to Tom's ears, the composer of the song, and it made up for the other guy who wrote in to say that the only thing he didn't like was the theme song. I'm going to go with it. Maybe it's the same guy. Maybe the reason 
the one guy doesn't like the theme song is because he simply can't get it out of his head. I think it's so catchy that the guy can't get it out of his head. He may be one of the mall walkers in St. Petersburg who are listening to this as part of their condo community. I hope so. But I, I fully expect that by next week, we're going to know why people in St. Petersburg are listening and we can let everybody else know why they are too. But until then, Tom, Dick, and Harry. Play us out. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pad live in cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts your sanity to a daily test. Androgynous and vigorous, what we give for a little rest. Stay by day just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.